0: Welcome to the Aggressively Average Podcast. Average- You'll be forced to stay. Sweet I get all my facts from my gut. Does it look like Sweet anyone's average- taking notes?
1: Sweet I'm not allowed to go out and do what I want to do. I'm going postal, postal,
0: postal, postal, postal. This is a list of the people who ought that. <laughs>
2: average- Enjoy the show.
0: chats with Blake. As always, I'm your host, Blake Townsend, and today I am joined by a comedy veteran, The Real John King. Say hello to everyone, and if you want to promote anything, go ahead.
1: What's up, y'all? How y'all doing? This is The Real John King. I got a uh, weekly show that I do every Friday. It's at a barbecue uh, joint, believe it or not. It's called Judge Barbecue. It's in Akron. It's on Rumic Road. I can't... I think it's 2329, but you got to check for sure, because I'm not sure if that's the right address. But it's a seven o'clock show. I usually have three to four comics from the, lo- from the local area.
0: Pretty good comics, please. if I do say so myself? Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, there's no cover charge, so get a chance, folks. who just want to uh, get some laughs, have some fun on a Friday night. And it's an early show, and we're out of there by nine, so come through, man, and hang out with
2: us.
0: Yeah, I've seen some of the lineups. Pretty good comedians, but let's get the fire started. All right, Don, so like I said in the introduction, you're a comedy veteran. Been doing this how long?
1: I've been doing this since 1984. Where'd you start off at? I started in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, wow. Are you originally from there? I'm not originally from there. I'm I'm uh, originally from uh, Akron. My family is from Birmingham. And uh, so after I got out of college, I I hung around Akron for about a year then I, I moved to uh, Birmingham in 1979, January 1979. I went down there and worked with a company. The headquarters is in Toledo, Ohio. It's called Owens Illinois, a huge, huge company. And I was a, a quality control lab technician. There's a the, the uh, three-liter plastic bottle was developed at that factory in Birmingham, Alabama. And um, there's a, a process that if the um, plastic is not heated correctly and if it's not stretched and blown correctly, there's a substance called acetaldehyde that will mix with the uh, syrup that's in the soda that will make it go flat too early. It seems complicated, but it's really but it's really not. It just has to do with chemistry, really. So is that kind of like the
0: same kind of stuff that they warn about letting your water bottles get too warm with water in it? And
1: stuff? Same, same stuff, yeah.
0: Oh, look at that. You learn something new every day. Yep. How long did you do comedy in Alabama before you moved somewhere else?
1: Like I said, I started in 1984. I did Amateur Night for a year. 1985, I went pro. I, uh, my first professional paid gig was in Huntsville, Alabama. I made $350 plus a hotel room and all the drinks that I could drink. And that was a big deal for me, man, because I made slightly more that week and I made on my day job. So I was real uh, happy about that. And shortly after that, in 1985, I think the, I wanna say the summer of 85, I moved back to Akron and I worked the area here in Akron. I did a lot of uh, shows around Northeast Ohio and then neighboring states like Pennsylvania, Indiana, West Virginia. And I did that until 1988. And in 1988, the summer of 1988, I moved back to Birmingham. I had got pretty good at comedy, and there was a lot more work in the uh, southeast. There was a lot more clubs and one-nighters down there. It it, uh, really took off by that time. I had a few connections down there, and I really liked it down south. And my wife liked it down down south, too. So we moved back to Birmingham, and I worked the road until 1994. So the summer of 94, I moved back to Ackham. And I've been here ever since. So you came back with uh ten years of experience. That's right. yep. Ten years ten years of experience. I had I had uh moved up in uh time as far as how much time I could do on stage. I was I was most clubs. What how long would you say it took you to get your first
0: forty solid minutes?
1: My first forty solid minutes probably took me at least a good five, five and a half. It
0: seems like a lot of comics think that they have minutes before they do.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, what uh, happens is they they will talk to the audience and um, audience. Oh, that was good. Yeah, I mean, you could still get laughs. What they call working the crowd. Mm-hmm. But there are some agents and some club owners. They don't. They don't want you to do that. They want you to do material. So just be, if you're on, like, if you're doing the one-nighter circuit, those are like a lot of bars, restaurants, nightclubs. You know, maybe hotel lounges or whatever. They they don't really care. They just want to get butts in the seats where they can sell food and alcohol. When you're in some of them, what they call A-rooms, they want to be able to do material.
0: Yeah, there was a guy at the club around here, I, I guess a funny stop, there was a guy at the competition that just wrapped up the amateur competition, who two out of the three times that I saw him, he like had the crowd on his side and stuff, mm-hmm. and then the third time, in the finals of it, they were not, Right. and one dude was like, oh man, he, he killed before, I don't know what happened, I was like... I mean, these others like ninety percent crowd work. Some
1: that's just not gonna work. That's right. That's right. And that's why you have to develop material. I mean, it's nice to be able to do crowd work, but sometimes that'll uh, save you. But you need material that is that's proven, something that you know gets laughed no matter where you go. And that helps with your confidence, man, because you know if you know you got material that's gonna uh, get a man, then you're more relaxed. And if you're relaxed and comfortable. You, could be more, uh, you can be more creative. To, you, can do to, crowd work. you can do better crowd work. But, um, see, people can sense that fear, man. That energy exchange, they can sense if you're not sure what you're doing or what you, whether this shit's funny or not. And if you're not sure, they're not going to be sure whether they should be laughing at it or not. There's um, comics that get great laughs, man, because of what they do, what they go sell in their material. Their the stuff is really not real funny, but they know how to deliver it in a way that people, you know, will laugh at it anyhow.
0: That's that's where I think I kind of lean into because mm-hmm. I don't think my jokes are that smart or anything that well-written because I don't really write them down. I just kind of say them on yeah. stage and kind of build them while I'm talking. But like people told me the way you deliver it is funny or I have one dude who's drunk out of his mind, so I don't know how much I can really respect his opinion. It's right. Like, it's like, yeah, you didn't really say too many things that were funny, but just the way you said it made me
1: laugh. Yeah, yeah. That's that's um, that's a truth. I know comics that got really weak material, but they sell it so good. It's really psychology up there, man. I think I might have talked to you about this before, but you got to get people to uh, like you, and if you get them to like you, they want you to succeed, and they're laughing stuff even if it's not that funny. I had a talk with a comic around here
0: where my dad told me he was afraid to come to my sets because he didn't want to make me nervous. Right. When I first started, and I was like, Dad. You're going to laugh. Why would I be nervous about that? Right. Like if it's someone that I got to make laugh, that's what makes me nervous. Yeah. But you're my dad. You're going to laugh regardless. You're going to find me funny.
1: That's right. Because he wants you to succeed.
0: And my friend's like, well, I want my friends not to laugh if it's not funny. I was like, you have to understand they're going to find it funny because they know you. Like part of up comedy, part of the contract you have with the crowd is they got to like you and understand your kind of humor. And then they, they're more yeah. willing to
1: laugh. Well, see, man, the way the way a really, really good comedy club is set up, if it's like, say, between 150, 300-seat room, and they're packed in there kind of tight, just the fact that people around you are laughing will make you laugh. So the stuff ain't got to be killer funny. It's just got to be funny enough to get enough people to laugh that the other people just going to follow. Because, I mean, people just kind of follow the crowd, man. You know, yeah, they just it, kind of... everyone. Do what everybody's doing. I'm sure you know this just from watching movies. If you're watching a movie
0: by yourself, you may not laugh one time, but you might find it funny. You don't recommend it and tell people it's hilarious, but then you watch it with just one other person, and you're both dying laughing.
1: Hey, man, sometimes I'm watching a comic, I don't even hear the punchline, but everybody else laughing on cue, I laugh too. I mean, unconsciously, without even thinking about it. Just because everybody else is laughing, I'm laughing too, because... Yeah, I on. figured that was, uh, you know, because he it, it, it hit three quarters of the room's laughing like hell, and he must have said something funny.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're conditioned as a human to things like that.
2: Yeah.
0: Like, go with the flow. Right. And it also, if you weren't paying attention, might get you to be like, oh, okay, they said something that was that funny. Yeah.
1: Just listen. And then if the dudes, and then if if... 80% of the dude's punchline was funny anyhow. You figure, out oh, just, just probably just as funny because he's already been funny up to this point. You know, because sometimes I get uh, distracted and won't hear the uh, punchline. Maybe won't even hear the last part of the setup. But if, if everybody's laughing in a comedy club to get people to laugh is alcohol is important. It loosens people up. Lighting is important because if a comic is, uh, you, know, a, you know, does physical comedy and he does different facial gestures, if you can see it, then you may laugh at that because of some kind of face he made or whatever. And the sound system is probably the most important thing because if you can hear what they're saying or what they're setting up, then you could follow it and you could understand the punchline when you get to it. So there's a lot of rooms, man, that they sound system and they mic is so cheap,
0: yeah, it's so one, fuzzy. I know that, one in uh, uh, Akron on
1: Mondays. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I plead the fifth. I don't I know, mean, know what
0: you're talking about. <laughs> do you have- yeah, the sound system's not the greatest. It you can't even turn the volume up halfway and it yeah. starts getting real bad. Yeah. But the people sitting so far away going, right. I can't hear you. <laughs> right. There's right.
1: a way to fix it. <laughs> right. The people that set that up didn't hire sound people because there's no way the way that stage is as to as as opposed to where that speaker is, that's a that's a no no of a sound technician. He would never have the speaker in back of the mic because of the frequencies. It's gonna The mic's going to pick it up, and it's going to feed it right back through. I think part of the problem we had the other night was uh,
0: the one guy with the accordion having another speaker set right up
1: there. That's right. And that's other frequencies that the mic may be picking up.
0: Because my hope, and I probably should have discussed this with him, was when he was going first. I was like, sweet. Maybe he'll take his speaker with him. And then he left it up the rest of the show. And I was like,
1: ah. Right. Yeah. Next time somebody do that, make sure they shut their stuff down. You want that shut down. I mean, there's um, things like if a club has neon lights on the uh, stage, that could that could cause a problem with the mic, but it also could cause a problem if you got an instrument up there. Because I, I used to take uh, a tube amp, because I'm a musician also, and I would do song parodies at the end of the show, and I would play harmonica through my amp. Well, that tube amp would pick up the hum from the uh, neon, and it would... Send it out of speakers of the, uh, so you got that buzz and that hum. They're just stuff that you got to understand in order to get your sound right. But if you got, if you got your sound right, man, you got your lighting right, and you got your uh, audience in packed in tight, and you give them a little alcohol, man, dude. That's that's a great setup for uh, laughter. Yeah. And you just about there ain't no way you can go to a show with even if comic ain't that good without getting some laughter. Because it's, like it's like a science, man. It's an art, but it's a science, too. And people that set rooms up really understand how that works. Yeah, I feel you. Because uh, Funny stuff.
0: obviously the best reactions I get anywhere, no matter who the crowd is. Even when it was all comedians, they just seem more likely to laugh.
1: Yeah, yeah. And just the psychology of that being a comedy club helps, too. There was people, I don't want to disrespect anyone because
0: everyone has off nights, everyone Decides that this joke's funny when they have better ones that they don't tell. Yep. And uh, there are some people that I saw at the competition where I was legitimately like surprised that they have got like half the room laughing at something. Right. Because I was just like, "You've said the same punchline five times now, and you're just harping on it." But I guess this is what a comedy club is.
1: Yeah, but you know what the uh, difference is? What? the, the um, audience—it's a different. Uh,
0: Audience. Yeah, I mean, obviously bar shows that we do—they're rough. They can be real rough sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yep. I actually—I'm glad I followed you the last time at Pharmacy because mm-hmm.
2: you got that crowd and the the table in the back kind of paying more attention.
1: Right.
0: And I mean, you were about to throw hands with them, but
1: <laughs> yeah, I really wouldn't. I know, <laughs> dude. I'm so old. If 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 they would have said boo, I'd have ran out the side door, man. It it was just natural instinct because I was taught when I came up is. You control that stage and you can also control what goes on in that room. You can't blame anybody. It's up to you to reach that audience and to control it while you're up there. Once you leave, then it's up to the next person that's up there. So I started off doing uh, bars and, and, you know, little rough rooms. And I learned from watching other comics that, you know, if you're having a difficult time concentrating, then you're going to have to, you're to, have to check somebody. What we call save our face. I was high just had a chest stuck stuck out talking loud, but there wasn't nothing I could do physically to stop talking, but they uh, bought it, you know, but I was forceful enough and serious enough about it that, that uh, they decided that they would rather not talk. I think I, I think I got on maybe three times. And after that third time, I said, this dude is not going to uh, stop noticing us. And, and that's the um, thing too, man, when there's noise, because at the end of my career, I was doing all comedy clubs in there, and club will police the uh, audience. They won't let people be too uh, noisy. So I kind of got used to having a quiet room. And and you know, at the bar,miter they always got those windows open and always that traffic going by.
0: I would say Chris does a good job of if someone is being disruptive, he does try to go up there and be like, "Hey, right, quiet it down."
1: Right. I wish
0: I could do that at Post Thirty Two. Right. But they're all paid regulars to be there, and all the comics aren't. So I know if I go up there and be like, "Hey, we're trying to do something," it's like they're paying dues. I mean, not much, but they're paying to be there, and we're just there.
2: Right, right.
0: The ladies, like depending on who the comic is, aren't bad. Like, no, they're not. But sometimes, it's like you tell someone them
2: it's their first time up there, and then they start heckling them 30 seconds in. It's like, come on.
1: Well, see, here's the thing. Those are those are ladies that's up in age. They've been on. Uh, they've been around for a while. Yeah. They can they can tell when somebody's doing comedy or somebody's just up there bullshit. Bullshit. Can I say bullshit? Yeah,
0: you can say whatever you want.
1: Yeah, I'm not mentioning any names and nothing against the guys that were there because I like everybody, man, and I know how it was when I started. It's a struggle. Sometimes you just don't know, and you got to make those mistakes. or well, maybe you know somebody just got to pull you aside, but you don't start to show off by doing uh, demeaning jokes about women when your audience is women.
2: Yeah,
1: and you really don't do what that one guy did, man. He just, you know, did just all, you know, jokes about having sex while he was in yeah, under, you know, about. yeah, out of, um, out of the uh, country and stuff. And those women at that age just ain't gonna find that very.
0: Amazing. No, they don't. They tell me every time he's up there, they're not even paying attention. Right,
1: right. See, it you gotta, sucks. yeah, but 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 see, you you gotta you gotta formulate a joke or try to at least disguise it as a joke, man. If people not going to try to do material and try to be funny, they're just really just wasting time and they're just wasting other people's stage time. Not that we had a lot of comics and somebody was denied stage time, but if you're not going to try to do comedy, man, if you're just bored and you're just going to come and, and hang out and, and, and uh, try to be as disgusting as you possibly can, that's not helping that person. It's not helping the room. It's not helping the audience. It's really, um, I think it's really hindering. Oh, for him, I
0: think he is trying. It's just that stuff probably worked in bars that he grew up like drinking with people with,
1: and right. that was
0: funny to everyone that right. like, he said it to. Then,
1: right. But I think it should be a rule, man. If the, if your the material's not working, don't don't take it out on the uh, audience all members. Don't start uh, don't start insulting and attacking them. Not that he physically did, but I think he kind of got disgusted and he decided, hey, I'm just gonna you know be as as disgusting as I can and <laughs> and. Yeah, I mean, like I say, I don't dislike anybody, man. But you're not gonna win anybody over, man, if you just kind of give up and just, just, just start, just, you know, just saying anything.
0: Those ladies don't necessarily get my type of humor,
1: right? All that much.
0: Obviously, I'm much younger than them, and right. I have a kind of brand of humor that not many people are. like self, like people are self-deprecating. Yep. But like, and I know I probably need to change, but just kind of the jokes that come to me. Are self-deprecating jokes. They're just the easiest to make. Right. And a lot of people don't do that. Right. And, like, for them, like, being older ladies, they kind of, like, mama bear me. Right. They're like, oh, don't be like that. You know, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, I mean, if I was really bothered, I wouldn't be saying this stuff on
1: stage. Right, right, right. And you understand that it's a performance, man. You know. But I think... That self deprivating uh humor is good if you the type of comics that's gonna later on start talking about other people or peeping people the audience. Because once you do it to yourself then it's easy to for them to accept you doing it to somebody else. Yeah, I'm not bad at like roasting the audience. Like right. with the hosting I have,
0: I get to do it a little more right. in between. But uh, I actually when I first started out I was a lot better at jokes in the room, like, waiting to go up, I would think, like, oh, that person said something. Right. I could make fun of their joke by saying this, and, like, I would write, like, two or three of them and say them, like, right at the top of my set. Right. And they started getting better reactions than my material. So I
2: was like, alright, well, let's focus on the material right now. There you go. And then I'll work on
1: kick-it-from-my-head stuff later on. Well, you don't, really, you don't really have to work on that. That's kind of, kind of going to come uh,
0: natural. Yeah, I mean, that's I, the kind of person I am. That's yes. constantly, Like ragging on
1: right. people. I know it's hard to do and it's hard to stick with and concentrate because it's 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 hard for me to do myself as long as I've been doing comedy. But open stage, man, you should use that opportunity to test out and try new try new material because that's how you get you know your 15 or 12 or 20 minutes of funny material is you gotta you gotta uh, try you gotta try. I've written jokes, man. I go, man, this stuff is gonna be really nice and nothing. Yeah. And then I've had other jokes in my notebook that I say. You know, this is alright. I'll do it. And I'll put it off for months. And then I'll finally do it in some of my better stuff.
0: Yeah, I did, a, did that with a Tiger Woods joke. I, yeah. have. I did it like my first time on stage. Kind of forgot about it. And then I was at an open mic competition mm-hmm. where they did a joke off at the end. Kind of lost the joke off because it was between me and a dude and only like five people paying attention. Right. Just the comics. It was a 3.30pm show. So no one was there to listen to comedy. And for the joke off, I set the joke, big reaction. Mm-hmm. Only problem was the dude who was in the competition with me, his wife was one of the five people paying attention and chanted his name. Okay. So I mean, he won by crowd participation default. Okay. But my joke got like a much better reaction than I was expecting. So uh-huh. I was like, oh, all
1: right, guess that's better than I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah, but you gotta you, you gotta write a lot and try and try a lot of. stuff. And like I said before, man, it, it's hard to remember um, half a page worth of material. Um, it, this this may not work for everybody, but for me, I just just, uh, just do to the first punchline. And I'll just keep doing that over and over until I get it uh, in my subconscious. And then I'll write to the next uh, punchline. And then it's just easy to for me to remember material like that. But the trick is try everything you think is funny. Because the more stuff you try, let's say you try 30 jokes. You may get five that's that's uh, keepers. But if you only try five and you get none or you get one, then you see what I'm saying? So, yeah, I, uh, yeah you got to just, just just try Just try everything, man. Everything I, you write. I,
0: like I said, I don't write that much. What happens yeah. is something will come to me and I'll write the premise down, like in my phone real quick. Then I'll go up, like maybe, like with a set list, all I do is write the premise slash the punchline. And then I do that for all my jokes. The way I remember it is I try before I go on stage to make a story, like read a story in between each joke, like kind of have the segues in my head, not really like exact words, but like kind of where I want to go. Right. And that's what helps me remember them, which when I forget jokes and then I have to try and weave it back in, Mm -hmm. that's actually helped me with remembering new jokes and fitting them in because like I said, if it's a new joke and I'm used to telling a certain story, then I'll forget the new joke. Right. But because I practice ad-libbing so much on stage, not necessarily, like, writing down exactly what I want to say, even if I forget and there's that moment in my head where I forget, it's like, okay, I know how to somewhat try to come back to it.
2: Right. It may not be set
0: up perfectly the way I want it, but it is nice to have that kind of, like, little skill in your head where right, right. I take that second where I panic and go, oh, no, I forgot, but then it comes to me how to kind of try to work it back in.
1: Well, whatever works for you. I mean, there's a bunch of different approaches a bunch of different formulas and whatever works for you and whatever you're comfortable with. I, I mean, tried uh the pharmacy the last time. I'm not sure if you actually just for my set or not. I know you left
0: before uh, the last guys, but I went up there, like I had my 10 minutes and I wanted to try some new jokes. So I took the 10 minutes that I usually do mm-hmm. and I tried to trim the fat as mm-hmm. they say on all my jokes. Right. Because I decided, I was like, all right. I have 10 minutes that I'm comfortable with, but they're not necessarily killer. So what if I could take all the highlights out of the 10 minutes, condense it down to five? Right. And if I can set up the five, like those five minutes with all the 10 minute punchlines, I get the best Mm joke, like best laughs, Mm -hmm. condense that down to five with less words, then that would be a killer
1: five. Yeah. Because if I have a 10 I'm happy with, but I can shove it into five minutes then I should be super happy with Yeah, because you you would be better served with a killer five than a mediocre team. Because once you get that five killer, then you could just kind of just push it to the side for a little while and then work on you another killer five. Now you, got your killer, now you got your killer team.
0: I think that's where me and a lot of people kind of around my experience level right now have is they tell me my 10 minutes is good, and I know it's not.
1: Well, it all depends on what you compare it with.
0: The way I told someone the other night, because they were uh, trying to, like, the pharmacy, actually, they were trying to, like, give me advice, ask me how many minutes could I do on stage. Mm -hmm. They're like, how many minutes do you think are really good if I asked you to do a show? I could say any of my minutes are really good. And he's like, why? Because you can't admit they're good or they're really just not good. Well, by my definition, I can't walk into any room anywhere and tell these jokes and they'd be good. There you go. Once I could do that, admit that
1: and I'll say it's good. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, because as you see, you can do jokes at a bar, man, and hardly get anything because most of the time people just ain't really paying that close attention. Then you can go to the funny stop and then you can get laughs on you with know, every damn joke you do because the people there, the laugh, they're going to pay attention more. The room is set up better. The sound system probably going to be a little bit better. Doing the funny stop is kind of what
0: put the idea in my head to
1: shorten the 10 down to 5. Right. Because it's like
0: I said, bar shows... Sometimes you just don't get a reaction. You don't know where the big laughs are.
1: No, because, hey, dude, I got jokes I've been doing. Not that many. I have a few jokes I've been doing for almost 30 years. And um, I go up into the pharmacy or some of these other places, man. And and if everything just ain't set up right, man, I I may not get no laughs.
0: Well, I haven't seen you do a set yet where you didn't get some laughs. Usually, you get them towards, like, the middle of your set. You get people
1: into it. Yeah, well, if people... Don't if people well see it's like I say, it's it's psychology again. Especially if it's people that's been there before. But even if they haven't, if they don't know you and they don't and and everything's not set up right, because sometimes man, just the fact that people say he's been doing comedy for twelve years, he's been on eight T V shows, see that psychology right there may make make might make people laugh at stuff. Oh yeah, resume. Yeah, resume. And then it it all depends on how I've delivered a joke too, because Sometimes I just I'm just kind of dead, man, and just kind of not really put much effort into it. Then there's other times I come over to the pharmacy and I'm my game is a little bit more on. I'm a little bit tighter. See, um, Sunday, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to tighten up for the show I'm going to do here in Cleveland at Wilberts. So I'm, I'm trying to do it like I would do if I was doing a real show and a paid show. So that's why I was more focused. And that's why I got on those people talking in the back, because I really wanted to focus on those uh, jokes, because, man, I got jokes, I got I got a lot of jokes that I don't do them that much, because I'd forgot the setup I forgot to set up, and, you know, they're, they're jokes that may be two, three, four minutes long, but I don't want to get into the joke, man, and um, to setting up a line and then forget what the punch line is, because I have done that, though, before, if I take long um, layoffs, so I don't know how much time I'm going to be doing this Saturday, but, I would assume at least about 20 minutes, so I want to make sure that, I, you know, that everything I do, I know the setup and I know the punchline and that I can deliver it with confidence. Even last time at
0: pharmacy, I don't know if, if he's doing this on purpose or it's just, you know, didn't have enough comics to fill out the full time, but he let me go over my 10 minutes. And like, my internal clock started going off saying, you've been up here for a while. Like, yeah. is something wrong? Did you run the light? Are you pissing Chris off?
1: I actually did about twenty something.
0: Yeah, yeah. but the, he told me he's like, "Oh no, I let you go."
1: No, he didn't have no people.
0: Yeah, yeah. but it, he cut off some people, so it was still like felt like a good confidence boost. He will, he's willing to give me more than ten minutes. Yeah, even without telling me, he's done it one, two other times maybe. Right. I don't know how true it is, but he told me afterwards he's like, "Oh no, if I didn't think you could be up there, I wouldn't have ever left the room. I would have stayed and made sure." Right. Which he usually does, so right. it's probably a true statement. Like that feels good when someone's like, yeah, you know, I figured you could do fifteen. Yeah, yeah. They'd never seen me
1: do more than fifteen, but he's obviously seen me like drop jokes from my ten, add them back in. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of uh, tricky as far as time go, man. Because if you're getting laughs, your ten could 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 become fifteen or thirteen. But you could have a strong twenty, and if ain't nobody's laughing now, it's uh, you know, it's a mediocre fifteen or twelve. Because laughter takes up time.
0: That's one thing I learned from doing the funny stuff was where to pause for the jokes or where to just kind
1: of run through the laugh to get to the next one. Yeah, you should never run through a laugh.
0: Well, I mean, uh, like James Kilius, have you seen him?
1: I may have, but just don't know him uh, by name. He has a
0: joke, like a Scooby-Doo joke, mm-hmm. where uh, it's he builds up to it, and then at the end, like he just kind of runs through a bunch of things. And then ends on, like, a big funny laugh. Okay. Because, like, he, like, doesn't pause as long. Like, he doesn't let the laugh finish. Oh, but
1: is the laughter continuous? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, you can do it like that. That's what I'm saying. It's like he
0: builds through it to, like, power it up.
1: Sure, 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 yeah.
0: I want to work on the spacing and timing for uh,
2: my Pussycat Dolls joke. Hmm.
0: Because those three things I say about my mom, one of those hits every single crowd.
1: Right. One of those three things I say
0: gets one of the, like, gets any crap.
1: Okay. So I, I'm trying to figure out, like, the order of which way to, like, describe her or maybe saying it quicker to mm-hmm. try and, like,
0: build on the laughs. Mm-hmm. I never even knew that until I did a comedy club. Yeah. Because you just don't get
1: those types of laughs. Right. Well, else. a lot of, um, you know, setting up a joke or delivering a joke is trial and error. Sometimes, just to order up the uh the setup or the words, because I know that um, metrosexual joke was starting to come together real good. When I first started doing the joke, I would say that I'm a metrosexual first, and then I would say... Definitely better, yeah. Yeah, then I would say, you know, I was getting jiggly with the chick on the back seat, and that was the punchline. But then I realized that wasn't really, that would not paint a picture that I wanted, because the punchline is metrosexual. So I set it up and then the punchline is like, oh, you're perfect. No, I'm a metrosexual. In order for that punchline to work, I got to give enough information to let them know that I'm on a city bus, a metro bus, because that's just another word for city bus, metro. Yeah. In a city. It don't, a Greyhound bus is not a metro bus. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I got to try to make it, I don't want to, you, you don't want to give up too much information, but just enough that in their mind, they know you're talking about a city bus, now, a city bus line. And it's just little stuff like that that uh, makes. But then too, see, I'm I'm setting it up, and I'm not giving away too much that they already know what's coming. So the uh, surprise is metrosexual. Oh, okay. Which metrosexual doesn't have anything to do with sex. Nah, doesn't at all. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a uh, guy that just trims his eyebrow, and yeah. he's he's like
0: takes care of
1: himself. Take <laughs> takes care of himself. Uh, maybe a couple of steps more than. Most men do.
0: Just like it's not with sex, like
1: a bus has nothing to do with sexuality. Exactly. So it all nothing yeah. works, so it all works. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the good thing about uh, comedy, man. Is you could do all reality stuff, you could fabricate stuff, you could flat out lie. <laughs> you just there's just so much there's so much freedom, man. But it's but it's an uh, art, you know. And um I think that some comics don't really understand that it's an art form. And so they don't express themselves enough or be as creative, man. You just kind of got to let your mind go, man. And you know, the stuff ain't really got to make sense. It's you just got to be able to paint a clear enough picture and be creative enough for them to follow you to uh, get them to that little uh, payoff. Yeah. Or I, a big uh, payoff, however you want to say it. I probably fall into that category of don't get as
2: creative as I should. But at the same time, like I told you, I looked in a fridge and I misread something. And it made me laugh, so I built a joke around it. Sure. sure. should.
1: And I didn't think it would work. And I've had people, when I told them off stage, like what the joke was, they're like, oh, that's too smart for a crowd. It may not work. No. Nah. Every,
0: every time I've used it, it's...
1: nothing. I, nothing's too smart if you set it up correctly.
0: I also think they're thinking from the point of view of it would have been... Because basically it talks about cheat,
1: mm-hmm. like, which... Maybe twenty five years ago a lot of people would've been like, What the hell's chi? I would have knew what it was.
0: Yeah. But now so many people are into yoga right. and all that. Like it's a lot not a huge word, but like if you say it, people go, Oh, I've heard that. Right. And that's why in the joke I bring up meditation. Right. So it links chi and everything. It is somewhat like I think it's a smart joke if I had said it in the nineties or the eighties, mm-hmm. but it's not a smart joke
1: now. Mm-hmm.
0: Makes more sense now.
1: Yeah. Well, if people have worked all day and they're drinking and they are just kind of come there to just kind of let their hair out. A lot of times, a lot of the people don't want to have to think too hard and figure a joke out. Mm. So you, you're probably going to get more and bigger laughs if you keep the joke kind of simple. But it's kind of like uh, uh, music. Some of the biggest hits is just three chords. It's not real complicated. Just like blues is so popular, you know, amongst all demographics it's because it's very simple music. A lot of people don't really f- dig or follow jazz because it's it's more of a complicated you know chord arrangements and, st- and structure, and it's not it's it's not repetitive. So you know once they it don't have grooves where it's like groovy you know. Yeah. So it's like it's like more for the sophisticated people, man. I mean there's all kind of forms of jazz, but some of that jazz, man, I don't even uh, follow. Like when I first started listening to Miles Davis, man, I like this just too far out there for me. But as I got more into jazz and got older, then I could really appreciate the nuances, and I could appreciate. I mean, also like you stuff said, that once you doing. listen to it, yeah,
0: it takes anything. Like I was working on a premise of a joke about how when I was little, I used to marvel at songs when they would just, you know, stop singing but just play the music, mm-hmm. and you could like hear the words in the music, and you mm-hmm. could like sing the chorus along with the music. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's so crazy. But then now as I'm an adult, I was like, oh, that just means
2: they're good at making music. Mm-hmm. Like, that's they're, they're being good at their job. Mm-hmm. They're creating tones and beats that sound like the word, or
1: would, they could do it by vice versa, I guess. Make the beats, and then that makes the words come to them, or make words match a beat. Well, your uh, vocal cords are just meant, anyhow.
2: Yeah. But so. was like, when I was a kid, I marveled at that. It was like, oh, that's so weird. Now, as a result, you realize, like... Someone spent their whole life to be able to do that to you yeah
1: once again man it's it's art and it's a it's expressive and and people that do music it's a um, also a, a language and they and they understand your the language and they understand what people gravitate to you know that's why you got uh what you call hooks and catchy melodies and stuff people that get hits man they they really understand how you get hits sometimes people just luck up into it here, but most of the time, man, people actually sit there and they they know, I mean, there's just, I forgot what you call it, but there's so many beats per second or whatever that people like more than they do others like. Oh, that's
0: why, like, if you go down the top 50 songs, mm-hmm. like 30 of them mm-hmm. musically sound very similar, Yep. then the way I look at it, it's just like sports, anything, science. Yep. Someone put a lot of money that's right. into doing research that's right. to figure out... What do people want to hear? That's right. Let's make that happen, and let's make money off of it. That's right. Exactly right. That's why I like, I don't
2: know how much you follow sports, but when people say athletes today are no better than athletes were in the 50s, the elite ones,
0: the ones that are naturally like, genetically gifted, probably no better. Yeah. But the average athlete today, plus the average athlete from the 50s out of water.
1: Well, sure, man, because their training regimen is different.
0: Training regimen, there's
1: a job to yep. them now. Yep. And, and um, um, the, uh, the diet is different.
0: Yeah. And that's all science.
1: That's all science. And so it's just like when people are like, oh, no, 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 they're the same. It's <laughs> no, there's a lot, like you said, there's a lot of research that went to that. They learned how to train certain muscles. And, that's why you can get back from injuries faster. Sure. Sure. Like if Adrian Peterson tore his ACL in 1970,
0: his career's over. Mm-hmm. Comes back and runs for 2,000 yards almost. Mm-hmm. Science is a real thing. It does a lot of good. And you can use science for comedy. Of course. That's basically what you're doing. Like, anytime you go up on stage,
1: it's an experiment. Yeah. Science is definitely a real thing, man. And and most of the politicians know that. Anybody that understands anything about how the world works, knows. But, you know, there's, there's, there's people that don't want the masses to know that. They'd rather you have beliefs. I mean, that's then science that's literally what your science textbook you better. That's what your science textbook starts off with, going over Aristotle,
0: Plato, all these people who were early scientists who the church went, we're gonna lock you in a cage until you stop talking your nonsense to people. like they've always wanted religious control Sure. like uh, I've always had the theory that religion was great for what it was meant to do take everyone's fear of death and use it to make them better living humans. To me, that's what religion was originally designed to do. You give people consequences of what happens after they die, the biggest thing that they can't know about, but, but fear in them, like, hey, if you do bad things here, it's going to be way worse when you're gone. Mm-hmm. That controls them while they're alive. Yeah. Great. That's not a bad set
1: of rules yeah. until someone decides to take over and get corrupt. Yeah, well, and and I don't think religion, back when it when they first started coming up with the old thing, I don't think it's anything like religion is today. No, no. I, I, I'm sorry.
0: Anyone who is Christian or Catholic, what I'm about to say is probably about to upset you, but there's no way of knowing if the original Bible is even, or what we have today is even 10% of the original Bible, because it was... Only like one percent of the population could translate it for however many years until it got transcribed into out of Latin. Only people who could speak Latin could speak on it,
1: and you can't trust everyone to tell the truth in what they're reading. Well, if you can't read it, they're not going. Um, they're not going to tell the truth because it's kind of human nature to exploit people for our power. Well, listen, man. When the first, well, let's just use the Bible first because I don't really know a whole lot about other religious mm-hmm. books. When it was first translated or written or whatever, dude, 98% of the population was Ill- was illiterate. Yeah. They couldn't have read it anyhow. So that's what the priests and the preachers and the rabbis or whatever. Rabbis, actually, a different uh, religion, yeah. but that's where they come in at. They interpret it for you. Yes. Yeah, and they found out that oh, these these people, they don't know. They can't read it. They can't research it. So I tell them what I want them to uh, know. And, that's what I'm saying. That's why like you can't exactly. Try exactly. Exactly. You can't do it. You- so, and that's what, see... I grew up uh, Baptist, which is uh, Christian, of course. I read a few scriptures in the Bible, but other than that, man, I never really, I never really read the Bible when I was young. So whatever the preacher said, I took it for a face value, which was, uh, which is the worst thing in the world for you to do, man. Oh okay.
0: yeah, with anything.
1: With anything, exactly.
0: Like uh, right now with podcasting, Joe Rogan is the biggest
2: podcaster in the world, mm-hmm. and he constantly tells people, "Don't listen to me.
0: I'm full of bullshit. I don't know." what I just say things I think are funny or what I believe right no matter how many times he says that people on the internet they treat him as gospel you can't get away from it even if you try not or try to be the right thing
1: but they look at likes and subs and subscribers that legitimizes some people yeah it it, it like you say it don't mean they know what the hell they talking about it just mean that they understand social media and they understand how to get likes and how to get subscribers or what they call it, influencers. (laughs) You know, those people. um, I'm going to eat seven
2: Big Macs every day. I tell you the difference. It's like, you're really getting followers off that. Got
0: it.
1: No skills, but people paying attention. Sure, because most people are too lazy to do the research on their own, man. They just rather have somebody tell them what stuff means or what to do. I mean, which there's always a, a lane for that. There's always a lane for having someone you can go to. To get information from? mm mm-hmm. Maybe not a 13-year-old on YouTube. No. <laughs> well, everybody's reality is processed through their own uh, brain and through their own experiences. So what, what might be true to me may not necessarily be for somebody else. See, my truth is based on my past experiences, how much information I got up to that point, and how well I can... Um, you know, understand the information that I get uh, now. A uh, 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 a lot of times, you can know a lot of information, and you could 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 uh, uh, talk talk about something that you think is is the uh, truth. But it's, a lot of times, it's just your opinion because without facts, and you can't really say that something is true or not. But even though you know, people. People not gonna know what you're talking about if they don't have if they didn't have if they didn't walk the same path you did, man.
0: We actually talked about this on this podcast. Uh, okay. Well, not this fireside chat version, but the actual podcast that we'll be doing that. Oh, okay. Uh, got brought up because uh, my co-hosts feel I'm, my opinions aren't based in fact, and so they're like, "Well, how do you get your opinions?"
1: Well, you don't have to be factual with opinions. It's a, that's why it's called an opinion. Well,
0: that's why I like the question was like, do you get your opinions from facts or just from what you believe, blah, blah, blah. Or maybe it was believed from opinions or facts. But I was like, you can only get what you believe. Yes, everything should be rooted in fact. Right. But if you don't have access to the facts, you have to go off of your experiences. There you go. you saw. That's right. And build your opinion from there. And That's then right. be willing to, once facts come out, To adjust it.
1: That's right. I do it all the time.
0: One of the biggest things on our podcast that we say all the time is the facts don't matter. Because we're just a bunch of people talking into microphones. Sure. Like, we don't know what we're talking about. But, like, from doing this, like, it actually, because we talk about so much random stuff, Mm -hmm. like, I'll hear it in other podcasts, and I'll be like, oh, so they're actually saying the real stuff. And sometimes it aligns with what we talked about, and other times we were just dead wrong.
1: Yeah, yeah. But, once again, if you don't know what the hell are they talking about? It, 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 they could be as factual as hell, but as far as, far as you're concerned, hey, that's just your opinion, dude, because I, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah, that's I'm, like, <laughs> I'm not going to just follow you because you say it's true. I, I will say, like, I have some, like, control issues or, like, I have
2: fact issues. Like, if something's true, it is a fact. I really hate when people go, oh,
0: well, you know, that's just how you feel. I don't know, like, that kind of, like, burns me. Let's say, for an example... This is may not be a real-life example, but it's just what pops in my head that's kind of...
1: Okay.
0: I knew this dude from India, and he was like, uh, Well, that car's red. No, that's blue. He goes, same difference. No, it's not the same difference. One red, one blue. He goes, no, same difference. One, car, They're both cars, but they're different. And I was like, that's that's not how that word's used. He's like, well, that's how I was taught to use it. So that's how it's used. I was like, no... That's not – we got into,
2: like, a 15-minute, like, talk. Yeah. I mean, not, like, an argument because English
0: isn't his first language. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, for him, because the first person who told him what that term meant they explained it to him like that, that was what that term meant. Right. It's like, no, I can, I can show you like we can look it up online. I can show you, like, that's you're using it wrong.
1: Well, then you get into the area where both people can be right with – opposing views or what they call facts like i might say um something like uh what's the prettiest color in the uh out of the eight major colors in the uh and whatever the person says is technically fact exactly because you because i mean we can both be right you say well my favorite i think the prettiest color is uh green i say well i think the prettiest color is uh blue both of us could be right or i could say like um uh, is it day or night here on, on earth? Somebody can say it's night, somebody says say it's day. Well, we both right. Because when it's night on one side of the earth, it's day on the other side.
0: Unless you're Alaska. That's sometimes yeah, 30 minutes. Right, days.
1: right. <laughs> I, never even, uh, I never even thought about that. But man, I don't really care if I'm right or if the other person's right all the time. I just, want to get inf- I just want to get information. I got made fun of and chastised a lot when I was
0: younger because people are like oh you just want to be right you have to be right it's Like, well if I am right then yes that is a fact like if I am right and I know I'm right then yeah I'm going to be upset if you're like not listening to me
1: sometimes being right is just having enough information to uh, to better uh, show your argument than the other person that, some people a- some people feel like they lose uh, not necessarily an argument but um, exchange information because they don't have enough information to support what it is that they're trying to say, and the other person might.
0: Oh, yeah, I, <laughs> I can definitely argue points that I'm wrong.
2: Because,
0: mm-hmm. like I said, it's times for being a kid and always getting into those types of talks. Like, you got to be right. So you learn to defend your position when you are right. Yeah. And that definitely helps you defend your position That's when you're right. wrong.
1: That's right. Yep, yeah, sure.
0: Because you know what words to say. You know how to word things so that people can't really, like, they have to go, oh, well, I guess technically. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't have to be right. That was a big misconception growing up. I I want to find the right answer. That's most important. My one friend gets mad because I Google stuff when I think it's something and then he tells me something different. Mm-hmm. I look it up and he gets all mad. Like, What? Well, you don't believe me? I'm like, okay, well, I believe one thing. You believe one thing.
1: One of us is right. One's wrong. Maybe we're both right in their own, our own ways. Yeah, but you know Google's not always right either. Even if I, like, figure out
0: the first time, like, I look at one web page and it supports one way or the other, I'll try to go to, like, multiple sources, yeah. like, just be sure. Yeah. Even if I'm right, but there's kind of, like, a, a gray area, a wiggle room of it. Okay, well, let me make sure, and, like, then I'll look and be like, oh, well, technically they're more right than me. So I've gotten to the point, like I said, people give me all that crap where if I find out I'm right, I won't say anything to them. Hmm. argument's over, whatever, discussion's over. I found out the real information afterwards. No point in harping on it. It's exactly. just going to off. I'm like that, too. But if I am wrong, I make sure to tell the person, like, hey, man, I looked it up. I'm sorry. You were right. Right. A lot of people, I don't know, that, that might be an ego thing to where, oh, don't you dare fact check me. We should all be fact checked.
1: Every single one of us. Yeah, man, but some people, so ignorant they don't know that they don't know. You probably heard it before. If you you can tell a if you took a lie and repeated enough time, people would take it as truth or a facts. Oh yeah. And that's very true too. Even the person saying it eventually believes exactly. it. Exactly. And
0: that's part of comedy.
1: Yeah. You gotta be able to sell that lie because very few jokes from first word uttered to the last end of the punchline are one hundred percent true. Very few there's embellishment. Oh, definitely there's change in facts to make it slightly funnier. But but you have to. Part of your job is to be able to sell a lie. Exactly. Which I, I don't know if
0: you or your wife wears the pants in your
1: relationship. But. <laughs> that's definitely a. That's definitely a joke. <laughs> My wife is very supportive, but uh, I generally get the first and the last word because um, she's a tradi- American, traditional housewife. Man, she let you know she let the man she let the man be a man, and she let she let me make most of the decisions when it comes to uh most of the things that right. goes on that's 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 not personal to her like i don't try to tell her what to wear or you know what feminine hygiene or that kind of stuff but when it comes to like buying la- large items for the house she ordered or a car she said you pick out the car you do the negotiation because i'm because i i'm a, a, a research person i'll do the research and see which is the best model yeah. You know, also, travel you, a lot. I've I've I, well I, I traveled a lot. Yeah, and um, which by the way, I'm going to plug.
0: If you add him on Facebook, is it the real John King? Yep.
1: Do that. He has a series of
0: videos called Random Road
1: Stories. Random Road Stories.
0: I would check them out. Think the one I listened to. You were driving on a mountain, going through.
1: I was. I was. I was driving on a freeway, and I decided that um, I didn't want to. Stay on the freeway to get to my destination. I figured if I look at a map and if there's a shortcut, I don't mind that's going on a was. state road. Never
0: shortcut through a mountain.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I did But on the but on the, if you don't really pay attention, the map don't show you a yeah, mountain. It just show you the state road. Right. Yeah. So I looked at the map and I was like, oh man, if I cut through here, I can probably cut at least an hour off this trip. But what I didn't pay attention to was, yeah, that's over a mountain range. And it wasn't no hill, it was a mountain range, dude. So when I got off, it was flat where I was at when I got off. I got me some gas, and I got me a little bike. And the state ride I was on, man, was going through town, and it was flat for a while. Then all of a sudden, I started going up this hill, going up this hill, and going up this hill, and going up this hill. And, dude, I had got, like, a good 40-something miles, man. I was like, man, this I ain't going to stop going up for a while here. And, dude... I'm up at the top of this damn mountain, man. It's, well, you, you you heard the story. There ain't very many houses around, man, and I'm not really seeing any people, man. But from my experiences, there ain't no whole lot of black people living up in those damn. Mountains. No, that's no, there not. Right, so I'm like, if I break down, man, I ain't getting out, knocking on nobody's door, or driving or walking up in nobody's yard because hey, they want to get out to get out. Right, man. Because <laughs> right, I'm well, I'm, I'm 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 thinking they thinking, hey, this dude's coming to because. A lot of people been socialized. Hey, black guys coming to rape you and kill you. So they get to uh, shoot man. Yeah, ain't nobody up there to 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 uh, uh, say, well, I had been there or not. Yeah, there's a lot of hiding places up there. They probably can get away with that stuff, man. So I'm getting nervous, man. Thinking, man, if my car breaks down, I'm gonna be in a world of trouble because I ain't getting out this car approaching nobody's house. And man, what the hell did I say that for? A few minutes later, man, my car overhe- overheated, man. And I'm up in this mountain, man, going, uh, me and this car going to have to die because I ain't stopping. <laughs> and I was lucky to have a Honda, dude, because that Honda did not break down, man. Every light on that dashboard was on, man, flashing. But that car went back down that damn mountain range, man, and got me to a convenience store where I could put some uh, fluids in there to cool that radiator. off. But I never did that again, man. I say, I'm going to stick to the uh, freeway. Because, you know, there's people passing by that could probably help you. There, There's maybe a, a sheriff or a state trooper or something that somebody could call, you know, for uh, help. And plus, you can travel at a faster speed. So if you want to save on distance, maybe that'll work. But on time, it didn't save any that time. I went to school embedded on a mountain, uh, Bethany, West Virginia. Okay. So That's like going up it as a around. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the funniest thing about driving on the mountain for me was uh, when you got to, like, really harsh turns. Right. You know, when they have, like,
0: suggested turn limit, like, speed limits. Like, the speed limit's 55, but take this turn at 35. Exactly. You can usually take it at around 50, 55. feel yeah. still still feel safe as long as you're a good right. driver.
1: Yeah, it would depend on what kind of tires you got, too. If you got some GT tires, it'll take them, Curves. If
0: you see a 10 or a 15 mile per hour turn... Take that at 10 or 15 miles per hour.
1: Right.
2: Don't try
0: 20. Right. It ain't going
1: right. to work. Oh, I've, I've, I've made that mistake before, man, and almost ran into a damn ditch.
0: Uh, well, the mountain at guardrails, all up it, except oh. for when you came to a couple of the harsh turns. Right. It literally looked like if you didn't turn, like if you had just drawn, drove straight never turned, they took the guardrail and put a brake there. So you would just go straight off the mountain. And there's more guardrail into where it looked like if you started to take the turn and then ended up just you know, skidding straight out, not being able to fully compete it. Mm-hmm. Again, there was a missing piece of guardrail on like three or four turns on this mountain. And I was like, did they just give up? That don't make sense to me. They, they were just like, you know what? They keep breaking our guardrail. Let's just leave a space. And if they go through
1: it, fuck them. Yeah, they probably had a budget uh, problem. They go, well, we're going to need to save some money, so we'll save it here, here, and here. (laughs) It
0: legit looked like it's like, all right, if they don't know how to drive, we're not saving them. Yeah. But it was nice talking to you. Uh, We're going to cut this down so we can get ready for the other show. Okay. Thank you. Anything else you want to talk about besides your barbecue? Any places you're going to be besides Wilbur's? Do you want to? Promote that.
1: See if anyone. Yeah, I'm I'm doing a fundraiser for Wilberts on the ninth of October. It's it's called Save Wilberts for the the um guy that's promoting it say they're having financial problems because of the COVID thing, man. They're not, you know, they're not being able to uh, have full uh, capacity as far as as uh, people go, and their 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 hours are cut as far as how long they can serve alcohol. And uh, and th- then there's a lot of people just not coming out, man, because they still are afraid. So, Wilbur's is a place that, uh, when I was uh, younger, because I'm a big blues fan, and Wilbur's would bring nationally known touring artists there. They was located down near the, the uh, flats before they moved to this uh, location. And I used, to, I used to go to, I can't think of the name of the street, but I used to go down there and, and, and watch uh, blues artists all the time. I'm just glad I was invited, man, because I really... Uh, like Wilberts, and I, I'd, I'd be willing to do whatever I can to um, save that place, man, because they're always known for bringing in some very good uh, musicians and uh, artists. So.
0: All right, guys, check out Wilberts. Check out the real John King. Judge Barbecue every Friday at 7 p.m. Yep. All right. Catch you guys later. Bye.